0: Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This is the third and final week of our series on family and parenting wisdom called Our Imperfect Family. It's been a short series primarily based on Proverbs. If you'd like to take notes, there's a link for that in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. And without further ado, here's Pastor Mike. Now we are going to be looking this morning at this, pa- this passage. I mentioned uh, last week, it's going to be a little different in that the latter part of the message is going to be actually more interactive. It's going to be a question and answer time. And, uh, and so we're going to, at the end, we're going to give you a chance to text any questions you might have, and uh, we're going to try to respond to those, and really about parenting and wisdom. And so I'll let you know we're going to text the questions. It's in the notes as well, 330-400-3242. And we'll put that up at the end, but we wanted you to be aware of that. Now, I also know that we're really going to be, just very introductory with all these things. I'm just going to introduce them, go through very quickly. Um, I would really love to have more time to develop these ideas. And, and and if it's something that you're really interested in this, you would like to go deeper, uh, Sandy and I have actually decided to do a class on parenting on Wednesday night starting in September. And uh, so we're going to do that. We're going to give more information about that. But if you would like to go a little deeper with these ideas, uh, we're going to be doing that in September. And, uh, but I also encourage you to, you know, the grandparents come thing coming in October for grandparents is a great idea to find some good books. One good book we recently ran across is by Paul David Tripp called Parenting. It's 14 Gospel tr- uh, Principles uh, that Help Us to know into Parenting. And, and again, there's going to be actually some copies of this in the church library, if you would like that. That's going to be available next week, just even to borrow. And uh, so there's a lot of resources we hope to make available to you just to make this. It's a hard, it's a hard task and to make it a little easier. Well, let me open in prayer. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we do have to be here this morning. Father, to be able to come and to be able to see in your word timeless truth that is applicable to even our time and our culture. Father, we feel like we're in a time that that in many ways is unlike any other, but in many ways it really hasn't changed that much in human nature and your word hasn't changed. And So Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand principles from your word that would guide us to help us to be wise as parents and as grandparents. Father, to represent you well, to raise up children who are, who are strong, who are mature, uh, who have wisdom, and who love you. Father, we pray your blessing now on our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Mom, I'm going to go meet Jack. I like a birthday. I'm going to get like the scene at the grocery store. Right in the checkout aisle. It bedtime tonight, to light. And light ugly. I don't even know I'm capable of. And we look at that and we say that's cute you know and it's little kids and you're thinking how could little kids misbehave but we all know anybody that has had it know that those things all happen they just don't usually warn us about it beforehand now think about if they had a bunch of teenagers up there saying here's what we plan to do that wouldn't that be as funny that wouldn't be more scary um, you know the fact is we all know that anybody who have have been parents who are parents who are grandparents it's hard it's a challenge Uh, Kids don't come out perfect. And even as I'm sharing this, I don't have perfect kids. I'm not a perfect parent. Uh, We're principles that we've learned that have helped us to do a better job with our kids. You know, last week we looked at Proverbs, Proverbs 22. It says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And what it's saying is that folly or foolishness is natural to our children. They're born with it. They're born with us in nature, and we're called, in a sense, to teach them wisdom, wisdom that they need to succeed in life. And what is that wisdom? Well, wisdom, it isn't being educated. It isn't you know, having degrees. It isn't being the smartest person in the world. We all know people who are very well-educated, who are incredibly foolish in their, in their day-to-day life. We've seen this definition wisdom is understanding and living according to what is true. You know, we're looking at it, we're saying, what is true, and then how do we live according to it? And we looked at last week that God teaches us in Proverbs that our main call as parents is to teach our kids wisdom, to teach them to be wise, to live according to what is true. It's not just to control their behavior. It's not to be their friends. It's to teach them to be wise. And at the end of last week's message, I'm, you know, we talked about some principles from Proverbs for parents. And I'm just going to review these real quickly. They're not in your note sheets. I'm going to put them up here. Um, you, know, we've, you know, I just want to review them because they set up what we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to go through real quickly. Uh, the first is that at this, God is the source of all truth and blessing. He's the source of all truth. And wisdom is living according to that truth. And as we live according to that truth, we will be blessed. If we disregard that truth, there will be negative consequences. And while it teaches that God is the source of all truth, He's the ultimate authority, He has also delegated His authority to parents in the context of the home. And so our job as parents is to represent God. And as we teach our children to obey us, what we're teaching them is you obey me as unto God. That's, that's where authority comes, to, comes from. They submit to us as God's delegated authority. It also teaches that parents should teach our children to live according to wisdom. We should teach them, here's God's truth. And, and God's truth is, is like a law, that we have physical laws in nature. And whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, gravity is something that is real. And you know, if you drop something, it's always gonna fall. And if you're not careful, things will break. And in the same way, God has moral law. He has spiritual law, spiritual truths that are, be- that are always true no matter what you think about them. And we're teaching our kids that God's moral law isn't even just a question of what's right or wrong. It's, it's, it's that, but it's beyond that. It's a, it's a question of what is true and how life works. And when we talk about this, we're talking about this idea that wisdom is living according to what's true. And if we understand that it's living according to what's true, then it also teaches that there's consequences of breaking those laws. When we keep it again, there's a blessing. When we break it, there's negative consequences. And so that led to that last point, which is parents are called to magnify the consequences of wisdom. We're called to, in a sense, you know, turn up the heat and say, okay, here's what you do. I want to I teach you these things. If I don't teach you to be responsible, you're going to be a 30-year-old, then you're going to lose your job. It's a life-changing consequence. If I teach you to be responsible when you're little, the consequence is a lot lighter. And if I can teach you that, it's going to keep you from you know, harming your life in the long run. Now, that's where we're going to spend our rest of our time this morning is taking that idea and then expounding on it. How do we teach wisdom through truth and through consequences? And we're going to say, how do we take this and and in a sense say, what does it mean to magnify the positive consequences for good choices? And and how do we magnify the negative, the, the the hurtful consequences in a sense of bad choices? Again, a few minutes ago, we looked at Proverbs 22. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it from him. We talked about they need this. Foolishness is natural. If we don't teach them, then they're going to life is going to have trouble. But when it says right off the bat the rod of discipline, some people might respond right away. Well, you know, that's is that beating your children? Is it spanking? Is it you know, corporal punishment? And and that's a controversial issue. And some people might respond negatively to that. Now, because of the limits of time, I'm not going to get into that this morning. Other than to say this is when it talks about the rod of discipline, it's not just talking about physical punishment. It's talking about using our authority to bring any kind of unpleasant or painful discipline that we use to teach our kids, and that includes things like time out, like grounding them, or taking privileges away. It's it's all negative. It's magnifying these negative uh, consequences of bad decisions. What we want to do is we want to teach them is that bad decisions have negative results, so they don't do those things. We want to teach it when they're young, because if we don't, what's going to happen is that they'll learn it when it's older. And again, then the results will be not minor, but they'll be life altering. To see this idea is taught throughout Proverbs. So for example, Proverbs 13, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And oftentimes we think, well, discipline is harsh and it's unloving. No, it's actually saying, no, if we don't do it, that's a sign of hate and a sign of love. Even Hebrews talks about that's God's love. God loves us and it's shown through discipline. Proverbs 19 says, discipline your son for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. And basically saying, if we don't do this, what's gonna happen? They don't learn wisdom, and then they're going to make decisions later in life that are incredibly destructive, and we're setting them up for that future, if we don't embrace this role of disciplining them, of, of teaching them wisdom. Now right off the bat, then we say, OK, then what is discipline? If it's not just corporal punishment, if it's "What is it?" And there's a difference between the idea of discipline and punishment. Now, discipline, it's again, throughout, used throughout Proverbs. It, it has the idea of coaching. It's not just punishing bad behavior, but it's teaching what's right and wrong. It's, it's affirming good decisions. And, and when necessary, it's confronting and bringing consequences to negative decisions. And so when we look at this, you say it's, it's a difference. But there is a relationship. This punishment is part of it. There's another good book that I'd highly recommend called uh, How to Really Love Your Child by Ross Campbell. And he talks about this. And let me go ahead and write a read from the quote that he has from this book where he talks about the difference of these two ideas. He says, anyone can beat a child with a rod as the primary way of controlling his behavior. That takes no sensitivity, no judgment, no understanding, and no talent. To depend on corporal punishment as the principal method of discipline is to make that critical error in assuming that discipline equals punishment. He continues, Discipline is training the child in the way he should go. Punishment is only one part of this, and and the less the better. Please remember the statement, The better disciplined a child is, the less punishment will be required. How well a child responds to discipline depends primarily on how much the child feels loved and accepted. But well, that's a great truth. That's a great definition of or distinction between those two ideas. Now, part of that is, is to take it a step further. One of the ideas is when we understand discipline should never be done out of anger. You see, any time that we, when we try to discipline and we respond out of anger, Generally, we're not making a good decision. Our discipline isn't being driven by what's best for our children, it's being driven by our emotion. And our kids understand that. James chapter 1, verse 20 says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Well, that is true even in our disciplining. You see, the anger isn't producing the result that we want. Now, even in that, let me give you a little principle to remember. When I look back at my parenting, at times when I got angry, when I got frustrated, And my kids, it wasn't just my kids' behavior that got me angry. In fact, it wasn't even primarily their behavior. It was primarily I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what to do. They did something and I was frustrated because I didn't know how to confront them. I didn't know how to shepherd them. And so I'm I'm responding out of anger because I'm not being proactive and having any kind of plan. And so what we need to do is we need to say, okay, what is the issue that I'm dealing with? And we need to think it through and then and come to some kind of conclusion. What are my expectations that I have for my kids? And then what are the consequences if you don't meet those expectations? That's part of making this plan. You know, we have the expectation. Here are the rules. And here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to not do. And then here are the consequences for breaking the rules. And if we've decided on that beforehand, You see, if I don't, I get frustrated. I don't know what to do. If I do it beforehand, I can sit back and say, well, I'm sorry you made that decision. Here's the consequence. I'm calm because I'm in charge. I know what I'm doing. Now, it's really important if there's a mom and dad in the house, you guys have to be in agreement on this. That means that you have to have time, that you get away and you talk about things and you privately come into agreement and you say, these are the rules, here are the consequences, and you are both completely consistent in your application. And those consequences should be consistent with what they often call the hot stove principle. Now, now you think about this if you have a young child and you go into the kitchen and the stove is hot you tell them, don't touch the stove. If you touch it, you're going to get burnt. And what happens? Too often they've got to go check. I'm not sure they believe you, so they're going to go test it one time. Then they're going to touch it and there's an immediate consequence. They get burnt. And what happens is they learn, oh, I should listen to mom and dad. Don't touch the stove. That's what our rules should be. We should be something where we're saying, okay, in our rules, this is the stove. This is what you don't touch. This is what you do or don't do. And when you, when you break those rules, when you touch it, there should be an immediate result. And the thing is that they should learn to believe you. So there's nothing more exasperating to a child where you, you, know, you don't have that consistency. So we need to not only have those results, but then be consistent in our enforcement that we basically say, every time you do that, every time the stove, you touch the stove, it's hot. Now what, imagine if you went to the kitchen and you were telling your child, never touch the stove, and, and you told them it's always hot, even when it's off. And they would touch it, and it didn't get burnt. They didn't touch it. Well, on the 10th time they touched it, they got burnt. I mean, that would be frustrating. They'd be like, wait, wait a second. You know, the fact is, you told me that before, and it didn't happen, so now I don't know when to believe you. And so, when do I test it? When I, and they become exasperated. I think about Colossians, it gives us warning to parents, fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. And the thing is, is that we can aggregate them. We can frustrate them when we're not consistent on, here's the expectation, here's the rules. We don't follow through consistently. So we need to be consistent. And when they then make the bad decision and we need to punish them with negative consequences, we then need to communicate the consequences are the result of their choices. I don't know about you. When I think about when I discipline my parents and they're like, or my kids, and they're like, why did you do that? Why did you do And they're arguing with me in the discipline. And, and basically, now I've become the bad person because I've done the discipline. And here's what you need to realize. When we have, here's, here's the rules, here's the consequences, and they do something, what you do is it's, I didn't discipline you. You chose that. I would literally say to them, you know, I'm sorry that you chose to disobey. And I'm sorry that you chose to be grounded this week. You know, we had a lot of fun things planned. I was really hoping to do some fun things with you this week. But I'm sorry that you chose to stay in your room and you're going to miss all the fun things that I was planning to do. I would rather you do that, but that was your choice. Look, I didn't choose that. I don't want to change my mind. Well, no, when you chose that behavior, you chose the consequence. And now that's what you have to live with. And what you're doing is you're, you're, you're teaching this is the result of your decisions. That's what wisdom, that's how wisdom works. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, you're telling me I need a plan. Well, I know the, the, the behaviors I need to confront, but how do I know what the right consequences are? Okay, so let's think this through. How do we choose the appropriate consequence? Again, understanding that wisdom is living according to what is true. And so that consequence means that it's based on the truth about our children, the truth of what they've done. There's an appropriateness of consequences. So first of all, the first thing is you've got to think about what is appropriate to the heart of the offense, the heart of what they've done. And basically what we're saying here is that our kids will do a lot of things. It's not always driven by the same motive. See, as parents, we've got to realize we're seeking to teach wisdom and we're seeking to mold the heart, not just the behavior, the heart. And so we've got to look at it. What's the heart attitude here? Well, let me give you three different kinds of behaviors, and they're all different kinds of heart, and they require different kinds of correction. The first is what I'll call ignorant or childish behavior, and that's when a child, especially this is more common when they're younger, uh, but it can happen even when they're older. But it's when they do something wrong without really knowing that it's wrong. You know, they we might look at it and say we they should know it's wrong, but if we've never told them, then we can't blame them for not knowing. That's our fault, not their fault. So let's say, for example. You go in your living room and you discover that your young child has gotten his crayons out and has done a beautiful picture on your living room wall. What's your response as a parent? Now, let me ask you a question. Did you ever tell them not to draw on walls? If you did, then you're dealing with disobedience. We're going to come back to that later. If you didn't, now think about this for a moment. You have given your child and their life pictures, blank canvases all the time, and crayons, and you've had them draw things. And when they draw things, you always come back and say, what a beautiful thing you created. You always praise them for their creativity. Now, is it possible they walk in the living room and said, this is a really big piece of paper. And if mom and dad are really happy with me drawing, why don't I draw here? Now, if I respond, because to me, it's a big thing. It caused a great problem. But the hard attitude, if it's based on ignorance and childishness, they don't know. And if I discipline them, you see, I'm disciplining out of my frustration, out of my embarrassment. But there's not actually a need to correct them. There's a need to instruct them. It's a need to constru- you know, instruct, again, not to, not to punish. Now, the second type of behavior is called, I would call foolish or uh, careless behavior. And this is behavior that needs to be corrected, but it's more of an issue of immaturity and irresponsibility than it is a rebellion. So, let's, an example of that is doing chores around the house. Now, A lot of times I will tell my kids to do chores, and if they don't do the chores, they're not necessarily rebelling. They're not challenging my authority. They're just being irresponsible. Now, when they don't do that, let's say for an example, I've given them a job to do the dishes and they didn't do them all or, or um, you know, now what do I need to do? Well, well, I need to. Well, if they went to bed, I go wake them up and I said, Hey, you didn't do the dishes. Come down and finish the dishes. And you know what? Because you didn't do them well, you need to do them for the next couple of days. And, and they might respond, Well, I forgot or I didn't know how to do that. Well, that's okay. I'm not angry. But you know what? I want to teach you to be responsible. And so if you forgot to do that, if you, you'll get two more extra days to practice. And in that time, you'll have an opportunity to remember how important this is. And so that you'll learn to do it right next time. Now, that's not out of anger. It's not confronting the heart, but it's teaching appropriate consequences to shape behavior. Now, the third type of behavior, the most serious is disobedient or rebellious behavior. And this is when they have an act of willful disobedience. They know something is wrong and they decide to either disregard or flaunt your authority. And the problem isn't necessarily the offense itself. It might even be a small offense, but it's rebellion against your authority, which is ultimately rebellion against God. All right, so an example of this. So let's say you're telling your children, hey, you need to do this. You know, you need to It's time to dinner. You need to come to dinner. Now, not coming to dinner is not a very big offense. It's a much smaller than drawing on the wall, right? But if you look at that and they're basically, they don't respond, that's, dis- that's disrespecting you. That's disregarding your authority. That's actually a much bigger issue because it's an issue of disrespect and disobedience. And so here's what I'd recommend is that, you know, we've got to you know, break that rebellious spirit. We don't want to break the child, we, but we've got to confront and, conf- and break that rebellious spirit. So I would recommend if you do that, hey, it's time for dinner. Okay, they don't come. Go to them a second time and you define the issue because the issue is not coming to dinner. The issue is respecting mom and dad. I told you it's time to come to dinner. Are you going to choose to obey or disobey? You put the issue out. You draw in a line. It's a matter of obedience or dis- disobedience. And then if, 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 if after a short period of time, I'm sorry you chose to disobey, here's the consequence. And follow through the consequence. You've defined the issue and that you, and you're confronting the disobedience. All right, now, even in that, I would encourage you, have them, because it's a disobedience, they need to apologize. In fact, I think they not only need to do that, they need to confess. The Bible says that we need to confess our sins. We need to teach our kids to do that. And the issue again isn't, I'm sorry for not coming to dinner. Well, why didn't you come to dinner? I'm I'm sorry for disobeying you. Draw out the heart and let them see their own heart because you're teaching them these principles. It's vital. So it's not only appropriate to the heart of the offense, but also it needs to be, when possible, connected to the nature of the offense. And what this is, this isn't always possible and it takes some time, but, but it's trying to find what was the offense and if I can tie the consequence to a natural, something that is related. So for an easy example, many of you have done, okay, if you're eating dinner and they ch- ch- I don't wanna eat my vegetables. Okay, well, okay, if you don't eat your vegetables, well, then you don't get any dessert. You don't get any snacks throughout the rest of the evening. That's a very natural consequence related to you don't eat, so you don't get any treats. And follow through with that, don't make any exceptions to it. A lot of them take a lot more creativity. And so, so for example, we had one of our children who um, was becoming very sassy and disrespectful towards her mom. And so we actually would get very frustrated and angry because we didn't have a plan and we were struggling with that until we kind of okay, we need a plan. So we sat back and we said, okay, what is the heart attitude? when we realized the hard attitude, the action is sassiness, the hard attitude is disrespect. And so what we did is we said, okay, what's related to that? So we went and we said, okay, the problem is that you have a really poopy attitude. And because you have a poopy attitude, anytime that you speak with a poopy attitude, you have to go clean all the toilets in the house. Now we're drawing this together and saying, this is the attitude, this is how we see it. And you know what, it worked. <laughs> It fixed the behavior very, very quickly because it was an appropriate consequence to the effect. And it, and it broke the issue of rebellion. Not only that, it needs to be appropriate to the character of the child. Again, the goal is always to shape the, the heart of the child, the Christ-likeness. And that means knowing our children and responding in a way that is appropriate to their needs and to the offense. Again, Proverbs 22, uh, 6 teaches train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. it this could literally be translated train up a child in his own way. And it, it could be translated with the idea that it, train up a child in the way that, that is, uh, fits the nature of the child. So that our discipline, our structure should be unique because we're trying to shape their heart. Now, some are very sensitive I had some of my kids. We had four, and you know, some would be like I would just look them in the eye and say, "Well, I'm really disappointed," and that would break them. And the fact is, is that if he, if they learned there, anything beyond that is going to be destructive. It's overkill because I'm trying to shape their heart. I had other ones that were much more thick-skinned, and that I needed far more, um, far more painful discipline. And the thing is, is it, it it it's well, I'm not being fair. Well, I am being fair. You see, fair discipline doesn't mean the same for everyone. It means being appropriate to each child. And, And not only that, but it's also what's appropriate. Sometimes you, you know, finding the pressure point. So, for example, many of us have struggled with cleaning rooms, right? Okay. Well, so we had a couple of our kids and on the first one, we wouldn't clean a room. And so we said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to say, if you don't clean your room, we're going to have your, your siblings clean the room and they're going to get paid half your week allowance. You know, it's going to be, we're going to pay them a lot of money. And she quickly learned, okay, it takes me a short period of time. I, it's really expensive. So she started cleaning a room. Second one came along. We tried the same thing she didn't care about money. We'd give her allowance. She would forget it, lose it. It, didn't mean, it meant nothing to her. There was no pain involved. And so we have to say, okay, what's the right discipline for her? Well, and then we found out she hates weeding. And so what we would say is, okay, if you don't clean your room, you didn't do one job. So you have to, you owe us a half hour of work on Saturday for every day you don't clean your room. So you owe us a half hour of weeding. So she spent a couple Saturdays spending a couple hours out weeding the garden and started to realize, "Hey, cleaning my room is a lot easier than this. And it was appropriate to the child. And it works. That's wisdom. Now, just in closing thoughts before we go to the question and answer about our roles as parents and for those of us grandparents. um, We've been talking about teaching wisdom through magnifying the consequence but we also have a role at times of protecting our children from exposure to things that can be dangerous and harmful. Things that are out in the culture that everyone else is doing that is accepted, but that we know from a perspective of wisdom from age, okay, this is something that could be harmful and, uh, and we have to protect them. Now it's starting with protecting things with destructive consequences. This could be everything from what do they watch on TV? You know, what, are they, what movies are they watching? Even for young children, you know, you look at, oh, it's just kids things. There's a lot of messages in there. Be aware of what it is. It may be teaching messages that, that are really destructive to your kids. Beyond that, it's how about computers and smartphones? I mean, I want to encourage you. with you. If you have computers and smartphones, our computer, they never had one in their own room. And a computers, the, you need some kind of filtering software. Let me ask you, would you take your children, drop them downtown in the you know, worst part of Cleveland to say, hey, why don't you go tour of the sex shops for a couple hours, I'll come pack, pick you up in a couple hours. Would you do that with your kids? Give them unlimited access to the internet, that's what you're doing. We've gotta be responsible, we've gotta be wise on this. Uh, you know, it's gotta be what friends do they hang out with and, and you know, are they good influences? A huge one is social media. You know, over the years, there's been extensive research that shows that social media, especially for for children and teens, is incredibly destructive. It it causes depression, self-esteem issues, a host of other problems. You know, so much so, it's interesting, you read the people that are kind of the heads of these companies. They don't let their kids on social media because they know how destructive it is, but they'll sell it to you. And and we've got to say, it's our job to sit there and look at the effects. I will tell you, with our kids... They got their first smartphone when they were 18. They got it as a graduation, from, graduation present from high school. Now, yeah, they're a little older. It wasn't quite as big, but yeah, everybody else had it. They frustrated. They, were, they didn't like it then. But there isn't one of them now that says, hey, thanks for doing that. Because they know that we protected them. They appreciate it now, even though it was painful then. We've got to look at the effects of the decision. And if the effects of what they're doing is far more negative than positive, then why would we allow that? And, and I know even in this, it, um, how many of you have ever had a kid that you want to do something dumb and you ask them, you know, well, if everyone else jumps off the cliff, would you do it? Okay, let me turn that back to you parents. Everybody else has smartphones. Well, if everyone else lets their kids jump off cliffs, do you push your kid off the cliff as well? You've got to be responsible. Think this through. I'm not being legalistic on it. I'm just saying you've got to be responsible and be wise. And lastly, as we do this, we also have a role of teaching grace and restoration and affirmation. When our kids mess up, hey, God is not a God of rules. He's not a God of condemnation. He points out sin so that we can confess and repent so we can experience His forgiveness. And we need to do the same. We need to teach them to ask forgiveness from people, from God. We need to then affirm that they are forgiven. And we need to then affirm our love and our acceptance of them. And in that, even beyond that, we need to realize that we need to give them positive attention. I've spent most of my time here on affirming the negative, but let me go back and say, hey, we need to also affirm the positive, celebrate the positive. There are a lot of kids that act up in large part because that's the best way of getting attention from mom and dad. And so we don't give them attention when they're being good. We only give them attention when they're being bad and they just want attention. Now spend time looking for the good things, praising them, encouraging them, celebrating them, give them tons of attention for the right things that they do. And you might out find out that suddenly, you know, you're feeding those right behaviors and it goes a long way of teaching wisdom and teaching what's right and what's true. Now, as we said, we're gonna end up our time now with giving you a chance to interact with me a little bit. And again, I'm not doing this saying that I'm the perfect parent or that I'm all wise and everything. Um, I, I will say even in this, I'm not very technologically good. So I was afraid that I couldn't get this, this uh, to work here. Some, I'm pulling it up on another computer uh, and, our, and, and Dan and the tech team is going to kind of whatever you text in they're going to send to me and uh, but I want to give you a chance again if you have any questions you can text to three uh, three zero four three three zero four zero zero three two four two. 3242 and uh, we already have some that have come in uh, what's a good resource for parenting adult children that's a really good question um, you know I'd, I remember my dad talking to me about that one day when he says, you know, we've got all these things that are parenting kids and little kids. Um, as I now have adult children, um, I, I can say I'm, I'm still looking for it. Um, I think a, probably the best resource is community. The fact of the matter, I don't have it all done. But what I do have is I have people that I talk to and ask to people that I respect. And, and there's not necessarily a book that I've found or a video series that I've found but I find in the community and the wisdom of other people that I find a tremendous amount of wisdom and a tremendous amount of help. And there have been people that have intervened and given me counsel that has been you know, hugely instrumental in helping us make right decisions. Um, how do you validate your children um, when you don't agree with their choices? Now, again, you'd, you'd, you know, part of wisdom is you always tell the truth. And so you don't validate things that are false if, you, if they're making unbiblical decisions or uh, you know, if they're doing things and they want you to validate. That's one of the things that's, you know a lot of times is, well, you've got to approve me. If you, if you love me, you've got to approve and accept and affirm. And that's not necessarily true. It's never loving to lie. It's never loving to affirm a lie. And so one of the things that we've got to do is that we can say, okay, what are the things that are true that I can affirm? That's, you know, Ephesians 4, or Philippians 4, 8. Things that are good and honorable and true and praiseworthy. Think about these things. I want to think about and affirm the things that are true. Now, when time comes, I don't need to dwell on the bad choices that they're making. Um, You know, I don't, every time I see them, I don't need to, you need to do this. I, I, I can affirm what's true, but at the same time, never give in to affirming the lie. And the time will come up when I say, well, you know, I disagree with this. You know, I, you know, the Bible disagrees with this. And you've got to realize that the the rod of discipline it's talking about, it means that we speak truth, we speak consequences. And and again, our kids don't like it when they're little. They're not gonna necessarily like it and thank us at the time when they're older, but that's what God uses to teach wisdom. And if we fail to speak that truth, you see, we're we're not driving folly from them, we're actually driving uh, wisdom from them if we affirm uh, wrong decisions that they're making. What's a good book to go through concerning um, your relationship with, with children uh, with, with them? I'm assuming that there's children. Um, there's a bunch of great books. I, the one book that we put up there, How to Really Love Your Child by Ross Campbell, is a tremendous book. Uh, Grace-based ba- Grace ba- parenting by Paul David Tripp is another great book. There's a bunch of wonderful books um, that talk about how do we build these relationships and recognizing that our discipline, it isn't just corrective and, and, and uh, um, negative. It's actually, you know, nine-tenths of what we do. Part of, I love what Ross Campbell said, the better we are at discipline, the less we're going to need punishment. And part of that discipline is the, you know, that, that affirmation of the good as well. Um, and so there's a lot of, those are two good ones. And the one that we recommended in the beginning are some good resources. Um, what are some boundaries for grandparents? And which is, again, that's a hard question. Um, and here's where I want to encourage you, first of all, with grandparents, your job of parenting your children isn't done. Now You say, okay, when do I cross, what's the boundary? What do I cross the line? My dad was a, was a wonderful um, parent to me as a grown child. And what he, what he did is, is, was, really, was really wonderful. And he would often come to me and he would say, well, I see something with your kids. I have some wisdom. Do you want to hear it? Now, that, now, the thing is that he didn't come and say, here's what you need to hear. He didn't plow it to me, nor did he sit back and say, well, it's your grown and you're on your own. The fact is he's, he's older, he's wiser. He had been through this. I hadn't been. And so he's saying, I see something. Do you want to hear it? And then he would wait for me. And sometimes I usually I'd say, well, yes, I do. And so every once in a while, I don't. But then I might come back and, and I'm frustrated with it. And then I come back and I said, no, I need some help. And, but he would do it. And I, I'm so thankful. He was such a you know, wonderful a father to me as a grand uh, as a adult child, um, but then also as grandparents, you also have this ideas for when you have your children, or your grandchildren in the home. Again, you can't change the rules of your kids, but when you have your kids and your, and your grandkids in the home, you can establish rules there. Here's the expectations that we have, and that's really beneficial. That's really, I mean, what they're going to find is that they're going to find they're going to complain at times, or they're strict, and but they're going to start to say, hey, you know grandparent's house is, is a place of security. It's a place of consistency. Our kids are happier when they have you know, God's, God's principles living out, when they have uh, parameters. And so that's something that we can do in our own home, even if we can't enforce those things in our children's home. What uh, role should grandparents play uh, in discipling their grandchildren? Now, again, this is something that it comes down to. It depends on your role. Some people are, you have your grandkids all day, um, you know, some people, you know, you can barely, you know you, you, you know, you might only see them on weekends or they live out of town. So, the more that you're involved, the bigger the role that you play. And again, some of that would be trying to help your children, asking if you can, if you have them, you know, if you're caring for them a couple days a week or something like that. I would play a significant role. Say, in our home, these are the rules. Now you're not necessarily saying your mom or dad's doing it wrong, but in our home, these are the rules and you're trying to teach truth, and you're trying to take all these things that we're talking about parenting, about disobedience, and about you know, God's truth, and all these things, and you're trying to teach all of them as much as you have opportunity. Um, if you don't have that same connection with your kids, it's a little harder to do that because you, you know, all you could do is invite to be a resource to your kids. Uh, you can't force your way in. Um, um, should, um, be res- should grandparents be responsible for disciplining at the moment of wrongdoing? or should they defer to parents and discipling? Again, some of it depends on how much you have. If you have them you know, for, you know, for longer periods of time and you know, your parents might say, well, you know, well, here's what we do. Well, if I'm going to have them, then I need to, you know, I'm, I'm willing to watch them, but it's kind of like on you know, my house, my rules to some degree. Now, you're not disagreeing with them, but you're saying, if I'm going to watch them, if you're going to give me the responsibility, you have to give me the authority. And so that's something, again, now, if you're not, If you're not the primary person responsible that's another issue if they're just at your house and they're visiting you know the parents are there you have to let them take care of it but if you're responsible you know you should communicate to your parents or to your kids they are thankful that you're there watching them and okay i'm asking you to take this responsibility if you give me that responsibility to care for my for your kids you have to give me the authority to care for them when they're in my home appropriately and so you're doing that in a way that's it's honoring to, to the kids uh, but at the same time, you have tremendous opportunity of teaching truth and wisdom to your grandkids. Uh, how, do you, how do you help a four-year-old who is ungrateful? She's very uh, half glass, or glass half empty. Um, I think that one of the things is that, um, I love Ephesians where it talks about her speech and the importance of, of positive speech and building speech. Now I'm gonna start, the first thing is you have to be very careful. The first thing is you model. If, if you as a parent complain a lot, the fact is you're modeling this to your kids. And for you to tell them that they should do otherwise is going to not go very far because they're going to see the hypocrisy. Um, but in that, what I'd, I, I'm, I'm going to use something that we've done not only with this, but we've done with criticism of our kids. I believe Ephesians 4 talks about this idea it's beautifully about negative speech and positive speech. When we had speech that we wanted to correct with our kids, we would say, you know, Ephesians 4.29, um, you know, let no um, um, destructive speech come out, only what is helpful for building up. I'd give them, them, here's five quarters. Okay, for the next couple weeks, anytime you say anything negative, it costs you a quarter. You can make money on this. You know, if you don't say anything, but after you run out of your quarters, it's coming out of your pocket. And as soon as they say it, you take it. And so you're really saying, okay, here, I'm trying to help you listen to your own speech. You'll be amazed at how quickly kids learn that. Um, but then also try to get them speak positively because ultimately it's not only the ne- lack of the negative, it's the positive. So, so what do you have to be grateful for? So when they say something, you know, what you, tr- you need to do it. You need at dinner time, hey, we're all gonna spend time. What are you grateful for? What happened good today? So you're trying to nurture this heart. Um, can we speak to single parents? It's a, I, I can tell you to single parents, you know, we pray, pray for you as well. It's a tough job. It's a tough job for the two of us to do it together. Um, and you have a tough job. And in that, I want to f- affirm the difficulty, and, and, but God gives you grace. Now, I also want to encourage you, please use the church as much as possible. Um, recognize, I mean, what we did here today with this dedication, we're saying you're not only dedicating, but in a sense, we're saying as a church, we're now the grandparents or the godparents. We're all in this together, and we have, you know, I love what, what's happening in our children's ministry, but especially when you think about not only Sunday morning, Wednesday night, we have these opportunities for other people to come and be involved in your kid's life, in our youth ministry. Uh, so realize that there's a gap. Try to get in a small group where you have other people could come and kind of play a role, and, and you know, that can take your kids out and kind of maybe expose them to things that you can't but especially try to put your kids in places where they have opportunity to have discipling relationships uh, from other, other men or from other women as, as appropriate. Uh, that goes a long way. Um, and then seek after God, seek after, you know, there's going to be times that again, we, as parents, we would be like, and we don't know what to do. We'd get together and we'd, we'd be like, we need to, you know, neither of us could figure it out on our own, but together we figured it out. As a single parent, Go to other parents periodically and say, I've got this issue. I don't know what to do. And, and ask for other people to help you. They'd be glad to help you. And um, because the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes we need more than one set of eyes to come up with some good conclusions. Um, we're, we're, I'm, I'm going go to go through two more and we need to wrap up. Uh, how do you advise parents uh, to protect the innocence of their kids on issues appropriate age without homeschooling? And again, what a uh, terrible thing that we have in our culture that they're exposed to so many things. Um, what I would encourage you to do is, what can you can control? What can you control? You can be very careful with the computer. Very careful with the phone. A lot of people say, well, they need phone for, for schoolwork. You can get phones with super amount of so, you know filtering software that they can just do those things. Be careful with the fa- friends that they have. You have that control to say, no, you can't do. One of the things, you know, you can't go with them or that's a bad friend. One thing that that we recommend, um, our kids almost, everything was always at our house. So we had a lot of people at our house. They didn't go to other people's houses that often. Why? Because I don't know what's going on in the other houses. I have control over what's going on in our house. That was, you know, something that turned out to be, it had a lot of wisdom in that. Because there are, you know, even times that you look at it and say, ah, they seem like a good kid, but you don't know what's going on, or you don't know if there's an older sibling or what they're being exposed to uh, beyond that. And so you control what you can control. And then beyond that, try to talk to your kids and give them the freedom to say things that might, you know, you might, they might at times say, well, you know, you know, we learned at school about, you know, um, this or that, and you, know, you might respond and, and want to, you know, You've got to you've got to listen and say, "Oh, that's really good." There's nothing that's going to shock me. There's nothing that's going to. I can't scare them away from speaking about anything uncomfortable subjects. And then you have the opportunity. You know, I can't totally protect them from their innocence, but I can teach them biblical truth on, regarding things that they're being exposed to. Um, um, what if it seems like no discipline is working with one of our kids? That's where I'd encourage you to say, "Get you know, get a strategy." Um, we, we have with, with all of our kids, you know, we've had, had it certainly this would work and we'd have some of that, it didn't seem like anything was working and we just kept trying different things until we find the right, but you know, the appropriate discipline for that child. And, um, and if you find the appropriate discipline and you're consistent with it, you just need to figure out, okay, you know, this isn't a hot stove to them. Like with our one child, this, you know, finding them for not cleaning the room didn't work. Um, So we needed to keep trying things to say, oh, this is what works. And when I find the hot stove, I've got to tell them and I've got to be 100% consistent in the follow through. And uh, and sooner or later, they're going to figure out, well, I don't like to get burnt. But if they're thick skinned, you just might need to turn up the heat a little bit um, to to do that. Um, Well, we have two more. So let me do the two more and we're going to wrap up just a few minutes later. Any guidelines on work-life balance uh, while you have young children or young babies at home. It's typical to work from 50 to 60 hours in my job field. And that is a very difficult thing. Um, what I would say is if my work always was, was more, way more than 40 hours. Um, I didn't have any hobbies. My hobby, it still is, my hobby is my, my wife and my children. Um, and I just intentionally chose, okay, I'm going to focus here. And the thing is, is that I would be arguable that I was there less with my kids as far as time, but they had more of me than most parents or most kids would have because when I was home, I was all there. I, 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 would, I would never watch TV. I would never do uh, when I was there, I was there with my kids. And so again, you've got to say, okay, if this is, if you're in a field that works, you just have to be really intentional of using the time that you have and using it wisely. And you can be very intentional and have a great impact. Um, again, if you're, you know, using that time wisely. Lastly, what can you do for children when you have uh, when they have poor influences in their life outside of your control, such as half siblings, non-custodial parents, or family members? And that's a difficult challenge that I know so many of you face. Um, and again, it's you know, you look at that and you say, you know, we want to have this home, and how do we do this? And again, the first thing is, what can you control? Um, And then second of all, and again, especially if it's like a a, um, non-custodial or other parents, you know, there's a divorce. What you want to be careful for is you don't want to criticize that other parent Well, what they're doing is wrong, or they're not Christian, or they're not. No, you never, you always want to build up the other parent. Um, And so you want to be careful with that, but you always want to speak truth. So I'm teaching what I can, but then as I'm interacting, so sometimes people will say, well, I'm learning this at mom. Well, let's go back to the Bible. What does it teach? And so I'm coming back and I'm teaching them to think biblically. Now, at the end of the day, we all have to do that. The fact is, is that by the time my kids graduated from high school, I needed them to be exposed, not only exposed to things, but to learn how to think wisely about that. Ideally, I could protect them from that exposure until they were more mature and ready to deal with that. There's sometimes in today's culture, we can't protect them as much as we would like to, what would be appropriate. And so what we have to do is we have to say, if I can't protect you, what I've got to do is I've got to turn up the agenda as far as how do I teach? How do I teach responsibility? How do I teach right and wrong? How do I teach them to think biblically even about wrong things that they're being exposed to? Again, I'm, I'm, I'm touching on that. really, really uh, briefly. And, and any, any of those questions, we could have spent a lot more time on it. So I'm sorry if I didn't give, give them the, the time that they deserve. Um, But again, we're gonna be doing a a class that if you want to go deeper, we'd love to be able to explore that. Uh, And we wanna be available. I'm I'm, I'm putting Sandy out there because I know a lot of people call her. And we wanna be available to support you as parents. Um, We're not perfect parents, we don't have perfect kids. We've learned a lot. We've learned a lot from other people. And um, as people have invested in us, it's a privilege for us to invest in you because as we saw with the dedication, this is our family. You know, your, your kids are our kids. We're, we're all in this together. And that is it for this week's message. If you have a question about the message, community church, or Jesus Christ, send us a text to 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life/connect. There, you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.